now where when people start to guess younger is I treat it as a compliment now. You know, when you ever say to your kids, like, how old are you? Are you 10? They're like, no, I'm 10 and a half, you know. But there comes a point in our lives where we like the backwards motion. Anyway, 32 a couple of weeks ago and happy about it. Well, thank you very much. Thank you, thank you. There was a lot of eating and um, sleeping to get me to this point in life, but here I am. It's nice to be here. Sarah Victoria, nice to see you. Well, who has a yes in their heart this morning? Excellent. A good 75% of you. The other 25%, I'm not sure what you are thinking, but we'll see if we can change that. Do you guys go till 12? Yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just a smidge. Um, I want to talk to you this morning about rest. Ah. Uh, a few people just went, ah, oh, <laughs> praise the Lord. A few of you I could see squirming in your seats. Oh, no. Oh, no. Not this resting stuff. Um, as a movement of churches, we are so committed to the transformation journey about being, becoming more like Jesus, um, about our image becoming more and more Christ-like each day. Do you know that you are made in the image of God? It says that in Genesis. Genesis 1, right from, right from the beginning. So in the image of God, he created them. Both male and female, he created them. And God looks at his creation and he says, very, very good. Very good. Turn to your neighbor and tell them, you are a very good creation. So um, Ramesh and Elsie told me that it's, it's not you guys, it's the people that didn't come to church this morning, some of the other people part of church that weren't able to make it this morning. Some of us struggle with um, times where we don't look exactly like Jesus. I know it's not us lot in the room, because you, you, you're, the, you're the good lot, right? Um, it's the other guys. But we're, you know, we need to be aware of this just so we can pray for them, you know, bear with them. But you know, sometimes as believers, we struggle to look like Jesus. And that's what the transformation journey is about. That's the work of sanctification. I got a, I got a whoosh from Ramesh. Any four-syllable word, I think, would uh, do that for Ramesh. <laughs> give, me, give me some meat. Everyone say sanctification. All it means is becoming more like Jesus, right? That's all it means. It's the ongoing work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. So when you give your life to Christ, you realize, oh, I don't want to sin anymore. That's because you have a new nature. You're no longer a sinner, but a saint. No longer a sinner, but a saint. Paul describes himself as a slave to righteousness. That's the only bondage he feels. He's free, free indeed. So we are saints who sometimes sin. And when we do, we feel gross about it. We just don't like it at all. It feels uncomfortable. It feels like we need to run around screaming, I repent, I repent. Because we know this is not who we are anymore. This is not what we're called to. But the transformation journey is about us walking along and looking more like Jesus each day. And I want to talk about rest this morning because rest is so important to our inward transformation journey. God's been speaking to Alice and I about rest since the summer. And we have been on the most amazing journey um, with rest. And 
when I was preparing this talk, I had a list of benefits. Who likes benefits? And yet, when I go to speak this to you, I don't want to tell you about the benefits, because this isn't just about self-help. But what I will say is this one thing, is that my heart is more tender towards Jesus. As a part of this process, my heart's become more tender towards Jesus. Has yours, Alice? Hers has too, just checking. <laughs> I have quite a scientific brain, so I've got to make sure that the, these, you know, these, uh, the test conditions are perfect for this. <laughs> I find myself really funny. I just <laughs> Who wants their heart to be more responsive to Jesus, tender towards him? Oh, me too. And I think rest is a really important one. I'm going to break this down for you. I want to say up front, there is a guy called John Mark Comer. Everyone say John Mark Comer coma, not like you've been asleep for a long time, but C-O-M-E-R. He's in Portland, Oregon. He is a spirit-filled pastor um, who loves the Lord, and he has phenomenal teaching, and he has a whole seven-part series on the Sabbath. I encourage you to check it out. He's from Bridgetown Church. He's inspired us so much, so I want to give credit to him. As a society, are we all aware that we are poor at resting? Okay, you, you guys are more, more on, on this than most people. You get, you get it. Do you know there was the American dream to build a society where we could innovate and the fruit of the innovation would mean that we would be afforded more time for rest, relaxation, and relationship. There were social philosophers who thought because of the American dream and through you know the 50s and 60s, we're making such innovations we'll be able to take our work week all the way down, 30 hours a week, 20 hours a week, spend far more time outside and connecting with friends and family. Has this become the case? No, 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 no. Because as a society, we crave money, we crave possessions, we crave fame, and we crave perceived success. The gods with a little g of mammon and the gods of lots of other things, they are alive and well. But they're not our god. Every other god is an idol. Unseeing, unhearing, and yet with a spiritual influence in your life. If you think there are no other gods around, you need to wake up and read your Bible. The Bible's super clear. When it describes God of gods, it talks about Elohim of Elohim. That word Elohim, what it means is we translate it as God, but we translate it also as spirit. Demons have spirits. They are spirits. Angels are spirits. There are principalities and powers that have influences on our life. And our society is driven to a point of madness for the relentless pursuit of more. Give me more. Give me more. I need, I need more. We're also connected to information in a way that um, information and communication that no other generation has ever experienced. For those of you who are slightly older in this crowd, um, do these things still give you the, uh, a bit of the heebie-jeebies? 
Well, okay, oh, that, that's an interesting point. We don't want to admit it, but, but really we should. There was a time when Blackberries came out where the social conversation was, if you listen to um, you know, um, topics on the radio and stuff, the discussion was, my goodness, Blackberries have come out and now people are coming home from the office and they are sitting at the, work ta at the dinner table and they are answering emails. Heaven forbid, culture is changing. What do we do about this? Within two years, that conversation disappeared. But has the issue disappeared? No, it's grown more rampant than ever. We have, we have not evolved as humans to know how to deal with such a level of communication and information and power. It drives us. And I think, honestly, it's to the detriment of our well-being. We find ourselves unable to be alone and undistracted for any length of time. If you go to a restaurant and you watch um, the couples around you, if one person goes to the restroom, what do we say here, restroom or bathroom? Okay, good. I've lived here for eight years, I still find it confusing. Washroom, whatever it is. One, one person in the couple goes to the, to the toilet, I'm just gonna say it, toilet, they go to the toilet and <laughs> It takes approximately 1.57 seconds for the other person to whip out their phone just in case anyone saw them that they were inactive. Just so, you know, to make sure that they didn't have any time with their own thoughts. Oh, ooh, heaven forbid. Don't want to be left with your own thoughts. Can you see we're... In, as a society, we're in a rush just to fill our minds, to get busy, to get going, to be on the hustle, to achieve more, gain more, communicate more. Do you see this? Yeah. You feel this? It's a problem. It's a, it's a spirit of the age, and it's a stumbling block. God is very clear about it because God is very clear about rest. So I want you to head over to Genesis 2. I'm going to read it out for you. In Genesis 2, it says this, verse one. Thus, the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished his work that he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. God blessed the seventh day and made it holy. Everyone say holy. Because on it, he rested from all the work of creating he had done before. Genesis 1 God creates the heavens and the earth. There was nothing. He speaks into the void and he says it is good. Then he makes you and me and he says we are very good. That very, that descriptor, that's a, that's a very good one. I, you know, I, I, I like to think, yes, God. You look at me and you say very good. I've, you know, I'm pleased for all of you that you get to stare at me for a few minutes this morning. <laughs> God has done a very good thing. God makes all this thing, you know, the, the heavens and the earth. He makes creation, everything in it, and he says, it's good. He makes you and me, and he says, oh, very good. And then on the seventh day, he rests. Was God tired? No. Was he drained of energy? No. That's not the point of him resting. The point is, is that he is unveiling to us a rhythm of work and rest. God is unveiling to us a rhythm of work and rest. And perhaps 
is that he is giving the blueprint for what it is we are made in whose image? His image. He's giving us a blueprint of the way in which we ought to live our lives. In work and in rest. Unapologetic in work and unapologetic in rest. You've probably heard that expression, you are human beings, not human doings. Well, it's a funny expression because we spend more of our time doing than we do resting, right? So I love that expression, but it's also a bit stupid. Seriously, because we work. At this point, I, um, you know, I want to say, um, we, you know, no one aspires to be 40 years old living in their parents' basement, playing video games with their friends all day and smelling slightly like Cheetos. That's not an aspiration, right? Because we are, we are designed to work as well as to rest. I want to define work, though. Work is this. It's every activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result. Work is this. It's every activity involving mental or physical effort in order to achieve a purpose or result. Now, that encompasses a lot of things. Yes, it is a nine-to-five job, but it is also your life admin, your taxes, your cooking, your cleaning. How many of you are stay-at-home parents? Okay. Guys, if anyone ever tells, you know, says to you, do you work? The answer is a big fat, yes, harder than you. I come home from I come home from work from from the church office, and I get through the door, and Alice like looks at me with this like blank look on her face, like she's been mildly traumatized. Like, you're home. I've been waiting for you to come home. Here is your son, and he screams, "Daddy!" And I'm like, "Well, I've had a hard day of work. I've been, you know, I've been working hard, you know, doing what I can to establish the kingdom of." God on the earth, I'm, you know, I've, I've, exp- I've spent myself and I get through the door and he says, chase me! I'm like, Arthur, wouldn't you prefer it if I lay on the couch, you brought me my slippers and then you put your arms around me and just said, Daddy, I love you and just cuddled me for 10 minutes. Would you like to do that? No, chase me, wrestle me. That's what he wants. Work is every activity involving mental or physical effort done in order to achieve a purpose or result. Work is really good for us. And I'm not going to take more time on this because I've got more points to make. But work is really good for us. That's a whole other sermon that Ramesh will give you next week. While he's on a Caribbean cruise. Lovely. Do you have space in your suitcase? Um... We are made for work. Just settle that in yourself. But we're also made for rest. There is a rhythm of work and rest. I imagine because you live in North America, you have a struggle with this rhythm. I have a struggle with this rhythm. Imagine a human is a battery. 
You're all staring at me funny, just trying to imagine me as a battery. Imagine I am a battery from 0% up to 100% filled, okay? My body, my capacity is like a battery. The way that we live our lives a lot of the time, probably this is, again, the people that didn't come this morning, the other people, you know, the less holy people than you. But sometimes we live our lives like this. I'm full. I work and work and work and I expend myself at my job and I work hard at home as well because the stuff you do at home, which is work, is also work. And I drain myself and I push and I push. Got to get stuff done. Got to get stuff done. Got to hustle. Come on. There's things to be done. There's needs to be met. There are needs to be met, right? There's needs to be met. And we drain ourselves down, down to 10%. And at 10%, I tell you, we look less like Jesus. We just look less like Jesus. It's not for want of trying. It's just that at that point, you're like, oh, I just, oh, my, I've, I've run out of patience. I've run out of joy. And we think, oh, I know what. I remember, I'm a human, I need to rest. I will have a day off. I'll have a day off. So we book a day off. And, um, oh, it's nice, we sleep in a little bit. And we, uh, you know, mow the lawn and do some grocery shopping and watch a bit of TV and like, okay. It gets to the end of the day, you're like, that was good. That was good. I feel better. I feel better. We go back to work the next day and shock horror. Shock horror. As the hours of work progress, we feel like, we feel like we're back where we started again. But I had a day off, what happened? Well, we got down to 10%, we topped up by 5%. That only leaves you with 15. At that point, I plug my phone in and I leave it until it's 100% charged. I think there is an opportunity for us as humans to move into the rhythm of rest that God has laid out for us where we live out of a place of being filled we exert ourselves and then you stop and you get filled back up again. I want to live out of fullness. Fullness. Ramesh wants to live out of overflow. That's good. That doesn't work for my battery illustration because then, you know when all that gunk comes out when you've left the battery too long? <laughs> but I, I like that. In Genesis 2, God makes a profound statement when he rests. It's an invitation to join him in the rhythm of both work and rest. It's not the only invitation, though. In the Ten Commandments, who remembers the Ten Commandments? Uh, only Ramesh and you. I see that hand. I see that hand. The Ten Commandments are like basic moral code for us, right? I mean, even non-Christians can get on board with the majority of them. They wouldn't want to do honor the Lord your God, but you know, the rest of them, everyone understands like, yes, this is sensible. You shall have no other gods but me. You shall not make for yourself any idol. You shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. You shall remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Honor your father and mother. You must not commit murder. You must not commit adultery. Don't steal, don't lie, don't be envious of your neighbor's stuff. They all feel very understandable. But I think we, um, I think even as a church, we put them into three categories. The first category is this, 
this is definitely the word of God. I will obey this at all times. Then there's a second category. This is the word of God, but it's very difficult. I will do my best. And there is a third category. That's a lovely serving suggestion, Lord. Mm. You're thinking, hey, 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 I take my Bible very seriously. Well, let me elaborate. The first category, the definite word of God that I will obey. Do not kill, do not commit adultery, do not steal, do not lie, and do not make idols for yourself and bow down to them. I haven't done those, and I will not do those. I feel very committed to it. Right? Then there's these other things, the ones that are like, that definitely is the word of God. Slightly more challenging though. You shall have no other gods before me. Well, yes, Lord, of course. Have you ever felt the Holy Spirit nudge in your life like, hey, this thing that you've been dreaming about and wanting so much and spending so much time just chasing after, I actually didn't want you to have it. Has that ever happened to anyone? It's never happened to me, but I just thought I'd ask. <laughs> you shall not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Don't know about you, but in culture, the OMG statement seems all too easy to slip off our lips. Oh, snap. Um, envy. Don't be envious of your neighbor's stuff. Are you serious? That's, that's a hard one, right? Anyone? Again, none of you struggle with comparison. It's the other guys. And honor your father and mother. Like, God, I understand the principle of that. That is difficult in practice. But these are still like, you can all say like, this is the word of God, right? We're all on board. And then there's one that just feels like a serving suggestion. Honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. It's the only one of the Ten Commandments that God goes into real detail about. It feels like this. God says, do not steal. And we're like, of course, of course. And he says, do not kill. I just want to add that gravitas. That's, I don't think that's how he speaks. I just want to change my voice to sound more like God. He says, do not kill. And we say, I, w I would never. I punched my brother when we were younger, but that's, that's it. And then he says, honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. And we're like, Lord, oh Lord, that is a, that's a lovely suggestion. You know I love to work hard for you. I love to hustle. I love to serve the people around me. Do you know, Lord, I love the people around me by serving them. I do. I see a need, I meet it, and I demonstrate the love of Christ. God, I am very good at doing stuff. I'm very good at it. You've done a good thing when you made me. Very good at it. But I hear you. You're saying that once in a while, I should have a little break. And I thank you for that. That's very nice of you. Who's having a little feeling on the inside like, ooh. Um, I'm going to skip to near the end of this. I'm, I'm, I'm shortening this because I know you guys are itching to get out for Swiss Chalet or something. It's in the New Testament as well, in Hebrews 4. Hebrews 4, for if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then, say remains... A Sabbath rest for the people of God. If anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. 
Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one would perish following the example of disobedience. This is completely countercultural. Can I take five more minutes and break this down for you? This is completely countercultural. What I want to say to you today is that the Sabbath is alive and well. That God operates under a rhythm of Sabbath. And he still invites us to, to do it. When Jesus said, um, man is not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath man, do you remember that? Because his disciples were hungry and they grabbed a quick snack on the go. I think sometimes we treat that as Okay, well, it's done. Like the Sabbath, it, like man's not made for the Sabbath. Okay, we can put that aside. I think Jesus wasn't saying that. I think he was rather trying to change our paradigm of what the Sabbath was meant to do. Because when, uh, when the law of Moses came out, there was, I think in the Mosaic law, there's the Ten Commandments, but then there's all through the Bible. I think it's in the 600s of laws that they had to keep. The um, Pharisees then implemented like over 1,500 more. And Jesus rails against them, like stop heaping stuff on people that they can't achieve. So when Jesus is saying, look, chill out about the Sabbath, I think he's not saying let's abolish the Sabbath, but rather let's rethink what the Sabbath's purpose was. I wanna encourage you to re-examine the scriptures today to go home and think about this. This is more than just a 24 hour window. This is about a life of doing it. And um, I'm gonna talk about the practicals in a second, but, but I, I want us to really grasp this. I do not want you to get into legalism. Say no legalism. Good. You heard me say it, I heard you say it. It's a deal, no legalism. We've got to figure out how to enter into the rest that God has called us to. I want to share with you what we've been trying to do. We are in the middle of this. We don't have this perfect. We had a worship team retreat scheduled this past weekend. And yesterday we were with our worship team and we tried to make it restful, but it didn't feel like it, we nailed it. Um, when we travel, this rhythm gets messed up. But when we're at home engaging in a normal rhythm of life, this is what Alice and I do. We take our Saturdays and we give them to God. I wanna say this, if you want to do it on a Sunday, if you work a different kind of schedule, do it on a Monday, like it doesn't matter, but try and make some time where you call it holy, like God calls it holy. Here's what we don't do. A Sabbath is not a day off. A day off is what you do when you don't go to your paid job, but instead you mow the lawn, pay your MasterCard bills, do your budgeting, do your weekly shop. It's a nice change from your job, but it's not rest. So we don't work. I don't go to my job. I often switch off my phone. Um, we don't clean the house. Who likes that? I really like that. We do cooking because cooking is a joy for us and so we're not being legalistic. So we're like, this brings life. It feels like worship, so we do that. Um, we don't do shopping. Consumerism is like everywhere in our eyes and so we say to consumerism for one day a week, shh, I don't need any more stuff. 
look what the Lord has given me. I have a wife, I have a child. I mean, you can just sit there and be like, I have life and I have food. Just living in Canada, I'm in the top 10% on this earth. If you are here living on benefits, like struggling to make ends meet, I feel confident you can still have shelter of your head and food to fill your belly. What blessing. I don't downplay the hardship that you're feeling, but what blessing. So we say to consumerism, no, shh. We turn off the TV. That's been a slower one, hard one for us, but we turn off TV. Just other voices, shh, quiet down. Those are things that we don't do. Here's stuff that we do do, because it's more fun to think about what you do rather than you don't do. We rest, we um, sleep in as much as our toddler will allow. We take naps in the afternoon. We eat good food. We, you know, we, we think about what food we want to eat. And we, we enjoy it. We take our time with it. We worship like it's a good day just to have extended God time, read your Bible. I might read a nice book by some person that's far cleverer than I am in interpreting the scriptures. We go for a walk. Nature makes us worship. Orthodox Jews won't go walking far, but I'm like, hey, this leads me into rest and worship. So instead of falling into legalism, I follow the grace on it. Go for a walk. And we spend time being focused on the family. I'm coming into land, I promise. Here's the great objection, which I know is in all of our hearts. It's still in my heart, and I'm wrestling with it. The great objection is this. I am too knew it you knew the how did you know the answer because you feel it we wear business like a badge of pride and that's what it is oh it went very silent then we felt God speak really clearly to us to really go after this rhythm of Sabbath and so as I said we're in process we are doing this imperfectly but it's getting a little bit more comfortable right I'm too busy. I'm the worship pastor in Catch the Fire Toronto. We also oversee worship for the movement of Catch the Fire churches, and so we're communicating with different people. We chat to Sybil, we chat to 50 other Sybils. I'm also a husband and a father. Anyone know that takes time if you want to do it well? Anyone? Right? I look after the car. We do the budgeting together, but I'm the lead on that. I'm also a musician and a composer, so on top of all the other stuff, I want to carve extra time to be creative and fulfill my creative potential and to supplement our income. I'm too busy. I don't have time. There isn't enough time. I'm too busy, therefore I should rest, and there isn't enough time, therefore I should tell time, hey, you're not designed to rule my life. Time is a creation by God, right? If you study science at all, you know that time and space are interlinked. It's called the space-time continuum. It's a creation of God, that space and time move together. Time is a creation of the Lord. Time will never afford me more hours if I wait for it. Instead, I have to be intentional and grab it with force. And the, the, the other thing that will be an objection is like, I've just got stuff to do and people are counting on me. But I tell you what, life carries on without you. You're not indispensable. 
you're not indispensable. The people that lean on you, they can wait for a period of time to answer. It takes time and energy to rest. So go to the Lord. I'm asking you this. Go to the Lord. Carve out a time. Work out when you can rest. And prepare for it. Put in the work beforehand. I swept and mopped the floors on the Friday night before our last Sabbath. Not because I wanted to do that on a Friday night, because I didn't want to do that on a Friday night, but I wanted to enter into rest, so I put in effort into resting. Get your shopping done. Go the extra, you know, hustle. Apparently in Jerusalem before Shabbat, if you go to the market, you know, half an hour before sundown, it's mad. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, I've got to get my stuff. Work hard, strive to enter rest. Al, do you want to come and pray for these guys? We'd love to pray. Are you guys up for praying? I'm actually going to ask you to stay seated just as an act of rebellion against having to do something. <laughs> stay seated. Holy Spirit, you're really welcome here. You're really welcome here. You're so welcome. Yeah, Father, we come to you this morning and we recognize that rest is not easy for us. And we're quite used to keeping going and pushing and getting things done and fulfilling our needs and other people's needs. And even for some of us in the room, the thought of taking a day off is highly stressful, <laughs> taking a Sabbath day. But, oh God, we just... We give you all of that swirling and stress and busyness. And I want you guys to just picture all of that right now and, and maybe picture it in your hands, the stuff you have to do, you know, get the cooking done, the groceries, work, whatever those pressures, the deadlines, and just the routine of life. And just hold it in your hands right now. Picture holding it in your hands and say, God, I give this all to you. I recognize that it's important that you've made me to fulfill roles and to do and to work. But God, I also recognize that, that there's more that you have for me than keeping going all the time. And Father, I thank you that you've invited us all into rest and into a rhythm of rest and of work. And so God, I, I thank you that invitation is a good thing, is a beautiful thing. And so we say yes to that invitation this morning. And Father, I do ask for every heart that you would, you would turn our hearts from that kind of push to keep going and even from that sense of, oh, it's stressful to stop because what if I don't get things done, that you would turn our hearts to, um, to the idea of delight in really taking that time and change the belief from I don't think I can to, okay, God, would you help me? Would you help me to, to create that rhythm with you of rest and work within my week? 
And God, would you just begin to inspire each one of us this morning to inspire us for what that, that could look like. Yeah, God, inspire us. Thank you, Jesus, that sleep is a spiritual activity. <laughs> and so we yet say yes to your leading. We say yes to rest. To, to coming before you like children. We're not above what you're calling us to. Yeah, and I do speak a blessing of rest over every weary heart, every racing mind. Just peace be still. Stillness. Peace of the Holy Spirit, Jesus peace. He's the Prince of Peace. So Prince of Peace, come and rule and reign in every life, in every one of these lives. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. just for every place in your heart where you're saying to the Lord right now I just don't know how I don't know how I don't know how this would work and I don't know how I can do this just give him that give him that identify it as a worry identify it as um, a thought that is not filled with faith and ask for grace to come ask for grace to come ask for wisdom to come ask for conversations this week that will inspire you in this area We love you, Holy Spirit. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Who wants this microphone? Thank you, Alice and Jonathan, so much. Let's give these guys a hand. Mm -hmm. So thank you for ministering to us, and I personally just felt God's peace in this room, which is such a gift, 